happen here? Um, oh, we're live. <laughs> here we are. We are live. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Allison's joining us special from her car today. <laughs> we got my car office today. So. <laughs> Trying Which to just... avoid, avoid the sun, like straight in my eyes. So hopefully this works. <laughs> it was blinding. All right, hold on. We have our special guest is here too. Bam. Hey. Hi, Allison. Hi. Hi, Wendy. I don't think we've actually ever chatted before. So hello. I don't think we have either. I'm so happy. Happy to meet you. I just I just watch you on TV. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> you you make me feel like I'm like really professional as I sit here with my car office. <laughs> I was thinking at first the day I meet Allison, she's like, I'm vlogging from my car. <laughs> She's okay. actually in CBA, but she just doesn't come to any of your calls. <laughs> I actually have been to a call before. I'm, I'm kidding. Just, I'm very low key. Because <laughs> everybody, every time Allison does a call in CBA, everyone's like, and then this. I'm like, I'm like I haven't attacked her yet. I'm just going to listen. <laughs> we have a good time in our calls. <laughs> actually, it's really helpful. And then it's funny. What's funny, Allison, is on calls that you're not on, people reference you. All oh, the time. I love that. All the time. All yeah. the time. So even on calls that aren't Allison calls, you'll hear about, well, Allison said, and Allison said this, and I used Allison's technique, and so it's a big Yes, one. I love it. I love it. So good to hear. I love hearing that stuff. All right, so <laughs> um, I love, so let's just talk about what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I so Allison and I, you know, like always last minute, we try and come up with a topic for the show. <laughs> always. We I mean, can't have a name, so like we are we are trying to be a little bit more like structured about it. So we're we're trying to bring good content to you guys as as much as we bring our just chill, like hanging out selves. So we're trying to merge both worlds. <laughs> It's a slight struggle, <laughs> but okay. So I asked Allison, what should we talk about? And Allison said, I am always full of things to say about having your own back, self-talk and feelings management. <laughs> yep. And one thing that I have going on in my life a lot right now is I just brought on a new group of professional organizers in training, people who are actively launching a professional organizing business. And there's so much stuff popping up in this group, which also popped up for me when I started my own professional organizing business. Um, mm -hmm. And Allison phrased it as, hold on, self-trust. <laughs> Yeah, which is amazing. So Wendy yeah. is is actively training to become a professional organizer and has awesome. really, really like taken the bull by the horns and put herself out there. And I would love to kind of chat through this whole self-trust issue when you're doing anything new, but especially mm -hmm. something where you're like embracing a new identity, starting a new business, all of these like really, really, really scary things. And just for a point of reference, it took me about a decade to say that I was a professional organizer. So I'm asking 
all of the professional organizers in training to say it overnight, which is like so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I feel like a lot of identity stuff was interesting that you said that it took me, it took you that long to say it because there is something about speaking things that is really, really important and speaking it over and over and over with the understanding that you don't necessarily believe it yet and that's okay. Like your brain is gonna be offering you all the garbage all the time because that's your brain's main job is to keep you safe, which means no forward movement into any unknown spaces. <laughs> so any unknown spaces that you're walking into, your brain's gonna be coming at you like hard. Um, I love the book, You Are a Badass, and she describes it as um, an, an Italian mother with a rolling pin, like chasing you. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Like, it, it's literally your brain will go into this mode of protectiveness. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not going anywhere unknown that we're not familiar with. So that's all that's happening. And it's just a matter of um, the things that beliefs are just thoughts that we repeat a lot of times. So thinking a thought intentionally a lot of times, repeating it out loud and claiming it for yourself over and over and over will start to actually rewire your brain. So that's helpful because the like the first homework assignment that I gave the professional organizers was to say out loud to somebody else, I am a professional organizer. Yeah. And so funny, Allison, because the two books that I read that really helped me get over my hump of like, embracing this identity one was you are yeah. and then the other one was um the gretchen rubin one about like identity i forget what it's called now oh better than before um and both those two books i had like massively helped me embrace this whole you know saying just saying <laughs> fake it till you make it right? it's been like my motto for life for years now so wendy how is it going for you now you have a lot of experience with like different identities because I've never met anybody who actively runs as many businesses as you do. <laughs> I'm just I'm just buying better than before on Audible. Yeah, she's literally doing it right now. I will forget right. to do it. There it is. It's better than before on Audible. I love Success. it. I love it. Um, it's nice that it says that. Success. You successfully bought a book. <laughs> um, you were successful at spending money. Your credit card worked amazingly well. <laughs> Well, I already have credit. I have that prime. So then it's tricky because you think like, oh, I have Audible. And then you get addicted. Then you buy more than you already have. Um, well, I had a really, so uh, Allison, some background on me. And I feel like my hair, I stopped looking at myself. Um, I, uh, I went to college to be a teacher because that's what is a regular job that everybody has. That's a safe mm -hmm. regular job. Even though I always talked in class and I always entertained my neighbors and I always did a lot of public speaking opportunities as a child. Like people would mm -hmm. say, we need someone to talk in front of this large group. And even as a little kid, I would talk in front of large groups. Like when I was an exchange student to Germany, someone had to come back and speak in front of Congress because it was a congressional scholarship. And I got to do that. So like I had all these speaking opportunities and nobody ever went, no a mentor or adult in my life ever went, you're really good at talking. You should try and talk. <laughs> they were all just like, you should shut up a lot. Anyway, so they did not. Oh my gosh. That is my experience also. <laughs> yeah, On my report card, it was like, you know, 
like comment number six, like oh six in the system, right? Is too chatty in class, never shuts up, talks a lot. <laughs> it's doesn't it irritate now as an adult it irritates me because I really feel like you can look at children and see their genius. And why are we not encouraging genius instead of squashing the traits we you know what I mean? Instead of squashing who they are to try and fit them into whatever mold, why don't we just encourage your crazy flower to bloom in whatever direction you're going in? So anyway, I uh it, later in life I discovered stand up comedy and I actually do really well at it. Um but it, it's at night and uh, uh I like it. Comedy is weird. So I do all these talking extroverted jobs. I do corporate training and stand-up comedy. And then I have a degree in photography, which is basically just getting people to like you really fast. So you can make them smile and take their picture. So it's the same yep. as comedy without picture taking. It's all the same deal. It's meeting strangers, making them like you, getting them to tell you some crap, and then making them feel better and then sending them off on their way. Uh, but yes, then it yeah, it is just different forms. I was telling someone that yesterday. They went, you do so many things. I'm like, it's all the same thing, really. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, COVID put a big dent in all of that stuff because all of my jobs are extrovert jobs. And I never thought of it that way because I am super extroverted and love people, but they're not great. So anyway, and then I realized I have it surrounded by clutter. And so that's how I fell into Justice Circle. Um, so what I thought was, what I think is great about Justice stuff is it was such a life-changing um, experience for me that it's that activation and paradigm shift for people. I really enjoy those moments. So for me, sharing justice about decluttering is exciting because it, I know the change it can bring about in people's lives in lots of ways. Right. So I'm a full believer in that. I guess it's tough because if you know me in my real life, I am a cluttery person by me. Like everyone is like, you're doing what? <laughs> That's great. But really, <laughs> I always have kept a lot of the things. So anyway, so that part's going good. I think the biggest thing for me is my mom stayed at home. My dad had a, was, an, was in the Air Force. So he had a, you get paid by the government every two weeks. We make X amount of money and that is what we do. So the idea of hustling or selling or having different clients or having a not a, a steady income is wildly uncomfortable for my family and my dad, my mom. And last night I took my dad out. We went to a comedy show and he was like, he actually said on the way home, I just could never tell you to quit your job because I would never do that. And you have a child. And it was just so interesting because I realized that poor Allison's gone. I oh, realized that, like, where'd she go? But it just was really interesting, Jess, because it made me really clear that it is their issue and it's never going to be resolved because it's always going to be hard for him. But that's not me. So if I keep waiting for them to tell me it's going to be okay, it's probably not going to happen. Be your back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a button. It's different on my phone. <laughs> No, I was just saying, Allison, though, that it's become really, I think part of the thing I've always struggled with is I'd really love my parents to think like, oh, you're doing great. And I just realized last night, it just can't come from them because it's just too scary. It's ah. like, it's like saying, um, I'm going to go live underwater. <laughs> They're just like, what? It's that ludicrous. You know, like, I'm going to throw raspberries at the moon, you know. So um, I think that's one of the things that we don't talk about but he did say if you feel like you can make as much money as you make at your day job then i think that's a good idea so i don't know there you go Allison. yeah yeah we get so much of well it's funny how you said at the beginning like why don't we teach kids to like follow these passions and these things that we see that we're good at it's because we're not doing it ourselves like the adults weren't taught how to do that every every adult is following the pattern of like 
let's be totally logical and practical and and reasonable and and totally safe like go get a good job go like have get your 401k like have every step of the way be very safe so you so you know what to expect and what's going to happen it's all just conditioning so of course parents respond like that i mean it's a very very natural response for them to do that so the i i, I really think I'll, um we're breaking a lot of generational chains here with these decisions any kind of entrepreneurship if you're not like if you're not from a family that's already allowed that in in their generations then it's going to seem really scary and really unusual and really backwards and so you just have to realize like we're taking a split in the road and it's okay that our parents don't you know it's okay that they have those fears they're just human and we don't have to absorb them. A lot of this self-trust stuff comes comes into play because like when you start to become an entrepreneur, <laughs> you realize how much is like, like your whole mindset has to shift. Your whole ability to work through information and to say, I'm gonna do this anyway. Yes, this is scary. I'm still gonna take steps forward. It's a whole new way of thinking that you're developing for your family line. And it's gonna feel like, man, I wish somebody else was like supporting me with these words, but I can, having the ability to, to say, I understand why they can't and that's okay. Like that's them over there. And I get to build these new structures of belief for myself. That's having, uh, that's growing self-trust because we're really not taught how to grow self-trust when you're younger. And so these kinds of things, you know, these these are what build them. It's actually a really cool gift that that is able to, that we're able to embrace. It's funny you say that cuz one of the things Wendy of your parents not supporting you. <laughs> what did you say? Embrace the gift of your parents not supporting you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told my mom years ago I said when I go on Oprah, I'm not telling her you supported me because you never have. And she was like <laughs> I actually said that. I was like, if I ever get on Oprah, I'm not saying you were great because you weren't. <laughs> oh, a terrible thing to say. Anyway, <laughs> you said something else, Allison, that made me think of that too. But anyway, yeah, it's it is really. Um, I just it just occurred to me the bravery thing about about adults don't do it either. So in some way, it's like role modeling in the world that that you can do it. well you know that Woody Allen song like it's it, well it's not Woody Allen song but it was in one of his movies where it says enjoy yourself it's later than you think i think about that all the time mm -hmm. i'm like you know the reality is is that it you're burning daylight not doing what you're passionate about it really and it's and then the idea i think to Jess, you said the other day we were teasing you like you don't need a boss you work really hard i think that's another one that's tough because you know how you have these these beliefs about yourself that you get from your parents or you get from other adults. I was actually telling someone the other day, I think adults say random stuff to kids not realizing that as a child, you hold on to the one shitty thing. Sorry. If one adult told you, not the 87 nice things that happened that day, just the one mean comment stays with you for so long. But um, I think my mom's phrase is always like, you, you need all these rules in order to not go off the rails. Like if you didn't have to be at work at this time, would you show up and do that work? Well, I do so much work all the time. I know for a fact, I'm not going to just not do anything. So it'll be fine. But dad even said that had last night. He goes, well, you have a kid, so it's all different now. And I said, oh, that's what I was going to say. And I said, yeah, but I had a job to make you guys happy before I had the kid. So the first job I had out of college 
I, I had a terrible boss and then my parents encouraged me to sue him because he was a terrible boss, which I never did because that's so mean, right? But anyway, I had a terrible boss. I used to drink anti-nausea medicine every day before work because it was so wildly, it was such a terrible working environment. But my mom was like, you have to stay two years. If you don't stay two years, your first job, they'll think you're, un and that's so not even real anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, who does that? Nobody. Anyway, it's, you know, it's really important to me, though, to model. First of all, I've never worked harder in my life as I do working for myself ever, period. When I worked for other people, I would find every opportunity to not be working. <laughs> right. I mean, I did a good job at my job, but I was certain I didn't have to be there for 40 hours a week because I was probably working actively like 15 hours a week. Right. And then I was socializing a lot, which was also part of my job. So it's, you know. But I've never, ever, ever worked this hard or put in this many hours in my entire life because it's all you're the only person you can rely on. And that changes everything. But in terms of having kids, it's so important to me that I model for my kids that they can do whatever they want in life. And if they work hard and, you know, are really serious about their passion, it's going to work out for them. Like that's tremendously important for me. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was thinking when we were all kind of just chatting here is that every job that we are talking about as like doing on our own. So Allison's a mindset coach. What the hell is that? Right. I'm a clutter coach. Never existed before. Mm -hmm. Wendy's a stand-up comedian, which Wendy, when your parents were growing up, the only stand-up comedians were like old men, right? Yes. There were like three. Red there were Skeleton. three comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Women can't even do that job. Women are. Oh. <laughs> These jobs that we do now, did not even exist there. They were not mm -hmm. a thing. Coaching was not a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's so far removed from our parents, like reality that, that, mm -hmm. that was created when they were growing up. That's a really good point. It would be like saying, I'm going to be a computer programmer back when they just had horses and wagons. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm going to make a real good living. Sure. You are a little machine. Yeah. Never. So. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good point because I think I think you're right. I I think it's the inconceivable. Actually, that's the word I need to do because I love the Princess Bride. And when they come, I need to hear inconceivable in my head because for them it is inconceivable. So yeah, will make me laugh. <laughs> um, well, I have a question too. If you so one thing that occurred to me when I went to Jess's retreat. In um, which I would highly suggest if you're listening and she offers it again, go. We are going to next October, Lake Placid again. Okay. Well, you should go. You should, there's a pre sign up, Jess. You should get on. <laughs> anyway, I went there and I realized, like, although I, and this is the part that's counterintuitive, Allison, to other people, is I get on stage in front of, I've spoke, I think the largest audience I've had is like 6,000 people. Like, I've done comedy in front of, huge audiences at convention centers and like tiny bars with three uninterested people, which is frankly scarier than 6,000 people that are excited to see you. But anyway, um, and, but I suffer from a lot of self-confidence issues about things and people don't believe that because I do stand up, but stand up is easy. Stand up's in my zone of genius. Right. So like it doesn't, it doesn't ever scare me. It's fun. But as far as selling myself, putting myself out there, asking people to spend money on me individually is, is something that's really tough for me. And I, it's funny because I would like to build up my self-confidence around being assertive. Because And it's the other problem too, Jess, I've found is 
folks like to negotiate. And then as a woman, we're very agreeable sometimes, or I am very people pleasing. I'm like, oh, okay, you want me to pay you $20? All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like standing firm and pricing and having a backbone, I think is something too. Do you think it's just a muscle or do you have any tips? Oh, pricing is so hard. It's so hard. And it's ridiculous because we have no problem spending lots of money on useless crap. We have yeah. no problem. But as soon as we are to, like faced with investing in ourselves, we're like, oh, no, that's so expensive. I could never, ever spend that much money on the gym, even though we have no problem spending that much money at TJ Maxx every single week or, you know, Target, your Target runner, like whatever it is, right? Like things that will actually change your life. Like we personally have a hard time investing in ourselves. And then we ask other people to invest in themselves by trusting us. And it's like a, like a complicated layer of just money, like mindset disasters, like all coming together. Right, Allison? <laughs> all right. So if we are having trouble asking people to invest in the things we offer, it it could be very true that the, what needs to be worked on is our own in, investing in ourselves. Like what you just said, the layer is there because we haven't quite bought into the idea of investing in ourselves yet, which I do think is a muscle because I think it's one of those things that's like, um, like I didn't know anything about coaching at all. Like, so I wouldn't have known the effect it would have had on my life until I started it. And then as I started it, I became addicted to it. I was like, this is life changing. This is so cool. And so now I'm like, of course, I'm going to invest in myself. Like, of course, I'm always going to have a coach because it up levels me so quickly all the time. Like it's this constant, amazing force in my life. And so now I have no problem holding my prices because I have such a a, a love with the with all of it myself. So I think that um, I think you know that's one part of it. The other thing is like with services like you are, Wendy. Like the things that you do, it's it's not. There's always like two parts of the story, and our brain is always giving us the side of the story that's like, why would anybody spend this money? what is it really worth? It's always given, I always think of it like this split in the middle and the half of it, that's all negative. That's all like puts us down in a small little hole. That's the, the side that our brain is always focusing on, but there's always a whole other side to the story. Like, why do you spend money on art? Why do you spend money on things that feel beautiful? Why do you spend money on things that feel, make you feel good? Why? because it, it matters. It, it makes your life experience something that's just like, <laughs> okay. So have you ever watched the movie home? It's a little kid's cartoon movie. <laughs> so there's, there, there, it's about these aliens that come in to, that come into earth and they're getting rid of all these things because they're not like practical. They don't make any sense. So the, the, the boom is what it's called. It holds up this bicycle. It's like, what is this for? It does nothing. And it like throws it away. Right. It, <laughs> It, that's not, we're not here to be perfectly pragmatic, like using all of our money just exactly in this just right way. We're here to experience life. We're here to, to have experiences. That's why beauty exists. That's why art exists. That's why it all matters. So like 
letting your mind look at that side of the story will put the information like it's like showing your brain. But wait, remember, all of this is important too. Why do I spend money on vacation? That's actually how I first worked with some of my pricing stuff. When I was like, how, what would I spend this money on that I would have no problem handing over the money for? Like it would actually feel good to me. How would I do that? Well, a vacation it's like, yeah, I have no problem handing this over for vacation. Why? Well, because of these feelings that it creates inside of me. Oh, what if that's actually what I'm giving people is this ability to have on demand vacation within themselves at any time of like at all the time. Oh my gosh, of course it's worth that money. Right. Oh my gosh, Allison, that's actually a really good way to phrase that. What if you could get in a vacation state of mind anywhere you are in the world anytime you need it? That's like what if your home was your vacation? What if you right. felt as good going home every single day as you feel walking into your Airbnb? And that is a service that you're providing as a professional organizer. You are making their life better every single second that they are in their house. And you cannot put a value on that. Do you know what people spend a lot of money on to feel good? Drugs. Il- illegal substances. <laughs> like it's the it's like one of the biggest biggest industries out there. Are, are you kidding? Like the reason I started this show with Jess was because I was like I need more laughter in my life because laughter is medicine. This is like the whole reason I even contacted her because I know that every time I talk to her, I laugh a lot. It's <laughs> so, true. I, well, you so know, like, Jess, I'm trying to convince Jess to swing into comedy. So okay. So actually, Wendy and I are doing this. Maybe we should just put it out there right now. Yeah. So, uh, we're doing more in-person events. So I'm doing more in-person events next year because just like you know, meet and greets, like whatever. Just let's build community. Let's go places. Wendy's like, every time you go somewhere, I'm coming with you and putting you on stage to do comedy. So we're doing like this. <laughs> we're starting in, in late January. We're gonna have the details, but it'll be like meet and greet your clutter buddies in real life in your city. Listen to a little like Jessism talk, and then if you want to join us a couple of days later at a comedy club, we'll be there. <laughs> So so our first date is in January, and I actually happen to know the owner of a comedy club in Phoenix. So I've already contacted them, and I'm like, hey, can we get guest sets? (laughs) Because they've already booked the paid comedians, but I'm like, let's get on stage. And then there's there's also mics, so that's just a club, and there's all these mics we could go to. So I think Jess wants to learn more. Um, I think you you agree with me that Jess is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's, and that's actually part of the reason I was excited about talking about clutter because clutter can be very heavy. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I talk about heavy things and I do a lot of funeral talking in my family. Literally I'm the keynote speaker at all of our best funerals. So (laughs) it's like, if we can find a way to be clutter, uh, make clutter a little funnier and a little more approachable and less tragic, that is good too. Although there is certainly trauma around. I love that. I love that because one of the one of the things that I re- really lean heavily into with all of my stuff is that it can be very light and playful. And when you when you think of things in a more playful way and you have more of a like maybe it's just all a game kind of mentality with all of this happiness in life, it's so much more accessible to actually start to rewire your brain. Yeah. 
I talk about that a lot with people. I'm like, you know, your your brain wants to go down the same rutted road that it's been down forever. And it takes a lot of energy to give yourself a new story. But if all the stories, if everything's made up, which largely we have a lot of data that it is made up, why not give yourself a good story? You know, why? Re I actually joke that I did tragedy for several years before I switched to comedy. Because I think I used to be the, the friend that would cry with you all the time. Like if you have something going on, I will cry with you. And I will still be there for my friends, but I'm not going to usually go down with you for long. I'm going to be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's, again, like I, I, just have a, I have a girlfriend right now that has cancer and she's uh, having just the hardest time. And I, we can't see each other in person because her, her immune system's super compromised now. And, but she does a lot of, she gets to uh, do a lot of, I don't know how you say this in a polite way, but she gets to take a lot of pot because she's in a lot of pain. And so they, <laughs> and so I'm like, do you want to do a Zoom call where you get super high and I make you giggle? Like, this could be the best thing ever. <laughs> and she's like, and I think she appreciates the levity because everybody else is, it's, it's a very serious situation that she's in. But everybody else is going down the road of like, oh my God. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this could be awesome. Like, let's record your Zoom calls while you're super high and bald. Like, this could be worth some money someday. <laughs> so, anyway. That's amazing. That's amazing. Laughter is healing. So, when you're drinking your wine tonight, make sure you're listening to this on replay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, that's the deal, Allison. So, the other thing I think about. The balls to put yourself out. One thing I read one time that was really great is people who are making stuff don't criticize other people. Like mm -hmm. makers don't have time to tear someone else down. So if someone else is tearing you down or hating on you or giving you grief about this new enterprise that you're or like doomsaying, they're not making anything. They're just freelance critics. And mm -hmm. so just don't even listen to that because I, I try to remember that because people are like, oh, what is ever? I think that's a hard thing too, especially if you haven't moved. I have the joy of moving a lot and making new friends with my dad was in the military. So no one's mm -hmm. defining who you are. But if you're in the same place, everybody imagines like, this is Jess, this is Allison. Mm -hmm. And anytime you do something out of the prescribed definition of Jess or Allison, everyone's reminding you, mm, that's not Jess. That's not Allison. And it's tough to change when you're fighting other people's perceptions. So I just try to remind myself like, Wendy is something I define for myself. And when I go out and say, this is what Wendy's doing, there are people who go, yeah, and you get to stay in the club. And people will go, no. And then I go, you know, I'm going to like walk away from you. I'm going to unfollow you on Facebook. I'm going to mute your comments in my life. Well, yeah, that's so <clears throat> boundaries, <laughs> learning boundaries online when you're starting entrepreneurship is, uh, uh, it's a really, really big thing. It does take a little bit of time um, to kind of figure out and you know we could go into that some but also when you're creating a new identity a really useful thing to do is to put yourself around people where where you are like walking into a new room saying this is who i am and practicing that so like in in 2019 i've never done any dancing well, i've done like some hip-hop dance classes but i've always loved dancing and in 2019 i got into salsa dancing and i joined a community so this community didn't know me. Like there was like no connection to any of my previous parts of life, but I just decided I was, I was gonna be a dancer. And so I tried on this new identity with this new community. Honestly, that built so much for me. It, it, it showed me like, oh, I really can do like the things that pull me and feel good and that I really want to explore. I can be that, I can accept that as an identity. And just, it's really about where are you putting yourself so that that's reflected back to you? 
Because if you're trying to be a new identity and only saying the place where you're only known for the identity, yeah, that's really hard and your brain's going to go to town on it. Of course, your brain's going to go to town on everything all the time, but putting yourself in new situations and online, it really actually, there's so many avenues for this. There's so many places where you can just step into new places and, and try on like an outfit, this new identity that you want to be and practice it out and then keep walking into new rooms with that or the next uh, piece of it that you want to try on. That's, that's a, a really useful, like tangible thing to do. I think that's why CBA is so cool. Don't you think, Jess? Mm -hmm. It's this environment where you can try on this new persona and people are like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You have nobody who knows anything about you. And that actually removing that barrier of former and previous identity that you've been carrying around forever makes you so much more able to connect with people in with your new identity, right? With your fake mm -hmm. it till you make it identity, with your what you know, whatever it is. And you can become so much closer to people because you can share with them things that have happened in your life and they have no previous knowledge of your life whatsoever. It's interesting from a business perspective. So when you're starting your own business, I think that there's like this big shiny object to do it online because of these reasons, right? It's easier to be online your new persona than it is to do that in your community. But I'm like strongly advocating for my professional organizers to start in their communities because I think it's a much better way to start a business. There's a lot of promise around online business that does not end up working out for most people. Um, and just kind of for me, this is a new area of coaching and really understanding why it makes more sense to start a business in person in your community first and why that's so much harder from an identity standpoint, but it's much quicker to be, it's much easier to be successful that way. I think personally for professional organizers anyway. Well, and also you're, we have an idea of like, Oh, my community, my community sees me all this way. C communities, you, you have like a broad, like you don't know everybody in your city. Like you're not ten people, okay? <laughs> I mean, this my salsa community, you know, was in my city. I never even knew they existed. A whole bunch of people I didn't even know before, and now they're really close friends. And like this space of my life. Um, so I, I think that that's that's just another thing that your your brain will tell you that's not necessarily accurate. It's so true. If you go to the grocery store, you do not know 100% of the people in your grocery store. No. <laughs> oh God. It'd be really hard to buy embarrassing things if you knew everybody. <laughs> I actually like not knowing people when I go. It's do like, don't you like a certain level of anonymity? That's why masks have been kind of fun. <laughs> so it's also so confusing because I'm like, do I know that person? If they would only take off their mask, then I could decide if I know them or not. <laughs> I actually have a lot of time. I know this area of you, but I don't know this area. Never pay attention to that. It's true. Well, it's been never been a better time to be a celebrity. <laughs> and you can just go anywhere. People who haven't been able to go any, I've heard friends of mine say they can go anywhere now and they haven't been able to do that without getting mobbed. So <laughs> that's so funny. It's wild. Yeah. Sorry, and that was a conversation killer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, let me see if I can give you anything for the boundary stuff. The boundary stuff online has been, um, well, if you have, if you have, if you're new to boundaries in general in life, it's going to be new, you know, it's going to feel a little awkward online too. But I actually think that's really just something that is also like a muscle that you practice. And 
so much of what I what I refer to when I refer to self-trust or having your own back has to do with how you res- like your relationship with yourself when things come up, like when there's negativity, when there's a response that you don't like, when there's something that's like triggers your nervous system, how you interact with yourself at that moment is really, really important. Um, and most of us dive right into our brain's default factory settings, which is shame, blame, and judgment of ourselves, and like, ah, uh, like all these things that we just pour over ourselves. But that's just a default system for like, it's still a safety mechanism. It's still a way of like your brain being like, see, that's the unknown that's unsafe. But really what it's talking about is negative feelings feel unsafe. Your brain re- thinks negative feelings are the same as physical danger. So when you start to realize that negative feelings aren't the same as physical danger and they can't actually hurt you, then how you can interact with yourself in those moments is really important. So like I give myself a lot of space these days to just be in my body and notice my responses like, oh, I'm feeling all this shame because of this thing this person said, or maybe just, you know, implied. I made up the rest of the story and I'm, and I'm feeling it and here's how I'm feeling it in my body. And then I soothe myself like a baby. <laughs> I've referenced my colicky babies and I'm like, okay, I'm going to like calm myself down. I'm going to help my nervous system come back to neutral and, and stable. And then I'm going to be able to think about like the next thing that I want to do because it's just your fear receptors all going off in your mind. So the first, the first step is always like, how do I take care of myself in its response? And then what do I need to set up with the information? Do I need to block somebody? Do I need to delete a comment? Do I, you know, how do I, how do I set up my perimeters of my own um, boundaries for my energy? Is that what tapping is all about? I think actually tapping is like a self-soothing. It is. Right? Like when you're soothing yourself like a colicky baby, like mm-hmm. that's the same concept behind tapping. I need to find a tapping person. Tapping is amazing. Sorry, I heard about it in 2000. I was at a photography conference with a psychologist and he taught us all tapping and no one talked about it for 20 years. And like the last, <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I remember the day how he taught me to do it. And he's, and it's like a way of releasing your stress and energy and whatever, negative emotions. Uh-huh. So like if I have up to like a car situation where someone cuts you off and flicks you off, I'll just tap to bring myself like to chill out again. So I've used it for like years, but you never heard anything about it because it's the internet, right? Yeah. It gets hard to find your tribe. And like the last two years, I hear people talk about it more and more. And they actually have an app on your phone you can download, but it's very expensive annual fee. But um, Why don't, Wendy, why don't you give us? Like tapping is a wonderful tool for this particular thing. Why don't you give us like just a brief little rundown for people who may not know what it is. So it's called EFT, which is right. um, And so the idea is that you have all these. And what's really funny is uh, one of my best friends does already self-soothe by doing this. Whenever Mm -hmm. he's thinking, he'll go. He just, he taps the top of his lip and he's done it since he was a little kid. And so the other day I was like, do you realize that you like do this? And that's one of those. So there's a couple of places you can tap around your face. And the way the original therapist taught me to do it is a little bit different than the tapping apps I've looked at. But basically you're acknowledging the room. So like, let's do one. Mm -hmm. Even though that person made me feel worthless, which we'll just say, do they make you? But let's just go over that for right now. Even though I feel worthless. 
even though I feel worthless, I totally and completely accept myself. So it's even though I feel X, this is the current state, I totally and completely accept myself. Or I'm, I'm a, and then you tap and you say it as you, and so part of it, Allison, might be just repeating the mantra, right? So you can tap like above your eyebrow right here. And again, I'm not licensed in anything. Under your eye, or the three places around your eye, right here on the top of your lip, under your lip. And there's a couple places around your body. So right here in the chest, some good chest taps are nice. Right under your armpit, right here is one people mm -hmm. do too. And then the back of your hand right here is one mm -hmm. as well. And I've heard some other ones too, but basically you repeat it. So when you start, this is what I think is really fascinating. So say you're pissed or upset, give yourself a one through 10. And I've had some where you're like, I'm at a nine, I'm at a 10, every, I'm going to quit. Everything sucks. You know, like you're at a full on fire. Then you do it, you tap it, and you tap through all the things you're thinking about, right? So like, um, even though I'm nervous about starting my business, even though I'm worried no one's going to pay me what I'm worth, even though I'm worried I won't be able to make my mortgage, even though I'm worried that no one will want to buy what I have to sell, even though I'm scared to be without a team, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. When you do those emotions, then just do a self moment of like, well, what number I'm at now? And almost without fail, I'll at least come down two notches. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is all self but you're like, where are you at now? It's usually like a seven or an eight, right? And then you're like, okay, I'm like now in a different space. It's really helpful if you are experiencing, they do it for a lot of trauma work, um, grief. If you're super pissed and you want to scream at your kids or like lash out and someone, if you can walk away and just tap for a minute. I mean, it's just one of the many self-soothing techniques people can probably use, but I find it to be super effective. So, um, yeah. and you can do it and bring yourself down a little more. But usually after one round, I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah, I've heard that it, I've heard that what they are are meridian points that actually connect to organs. So it's yeah. telling your body to go into rest and di digest instead of fight, flight, or freeze. That's what I've heard. Hmm, so it makes it. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's it's just a very tangible way. Like it's a very tangible way to do the awareness and then acknowledgement, which we all need, like self acknowledgement and validation. That's like what we're always looking for for everybody else, but we can just say it to ourselves. And then the thing that we're, the intentional thinking that we want to hold on to, it's just a way of like a really tangible way to grab onto all those things and use it physically. Yeah. So I and think you can tap anywhere. I yes. mean, there's all this, right? Like tap anywhere you want to. There's some good spots and some better spots, but you know what? If you want to start tapping, just start tapping. And like, yeah. It feels good oh, anywhere right. that you do it. It does. Don't it try feels... to do it right. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about the technique. They say about 10 times and you can use a hand or you can use just two fingers or whatever. The The app says to do, yeah, top of your head is good too. Actually, that's right. The top of your head is one. Tap that's anywhere. That's true. Um, I've oftentimes felt two things. One is the app says, like, um, uh, I love myself. I acknowledge myself. I'm comfortable with this. Like, it's just some positive thing. Like you said, Allison, I've oftentimes said, I feel like if as adults, we could say we need a butt rub. Cause you know, when a baby's sad, you just tap their butt, right? Why can't adults be like, I need someone to tap my butt. I just need a butt rub. Cause it makes everything feel better. So rub your own butt is the moral of the, that should be the, the title tap, of this episode. Tap your butt. Tap your own butt. But it's true, if like you a little to bit. your identity, the fastest way to do that is by tapping your butt. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> but um, if you want to explore it, it's called EFT. There are apps. There's a 14-day. I did. I downloaded a 14-day free trial literally in November because I was having really strong emotions in a relationship that I'm in. <laughs> and so I downloaded this thing. Um, 
But uh, I actually found some of their recordings actually to wind me up a little further before it came in there because it reminded me, you're right, I am super pissed about this. <laughs> so I don't know. I like Calm too. Calm is one of those apps that I think is great. So. I'm getting annoyed with that woman's voice though. Okay. I've been listening to Calm for a while and it's like, we need some new narrators. Oh, we it's need... Carissa Becker? Oh, no, it's the, um, I forget what her, I forget what her name is, but I just, like, I need an, I need a new person. Yeah. I need, we do like... sleep stories. So we do sleep, so my son and I have put on a sleep story, but I want more of them. They have, I feel like we've already tapped out of the tapped out of the range of sleep. <laughs> we've heard all of them. And, uh, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I I love I love the idea of apps, but I don't seem to ever really use them. I think the thing that's been the most useful for me is to just recognize that I can observe my body and that then I can like actually physically talk it through calming down. I used to actually for a while, my daughter had a lot a really hard time falling asleep. And so every night I would put my hand on like her head and then her forehead and then the back of her neck and like all the way down. And every time I'd be like, relax your head, relax your neck, relax your shoulders, relax your hands. And so it's like taking her consciously and I could feel it. Like I would hold a place and tell her to relax it. And then I'd be like, oh, like you just don't think about it until you consciously think through like the pieces of yourself physically. And I, I found that that kind of body scanning and just stepping to awareness, I could do it. When I first started really realizing this, I did it all day long. And every single time I was like, whoa, <laughs> I've got a lot of power. <laughs> like it was just this sort of feeling of, wow, I had way more control than I realized that I had. And then the more that I would do that, the, the stronger I felt in myself because what I was always at the mercy of was the emotions and the feelings and what those feelings were doing inside of my body and the way it was tightening it and straining it and making it tense. And that was the thing that my brain was always scared of. It was like my brain was like, you, you will turn into this ball of nuts. And until the things outside of there gets fixed, we're not going to be okay, which is why I was always people pleading and always trying to go outside of me to fix myself. So just like stepping into my body and doing that kind of a really fast practice regularly, I, I honestly think that's one of the most profound things that I've done in all of the work that I've done. Well, you don't need electricity or a battery for it. And it's certainly a good skill to teach your kids. Like what I, I think a lot about, we don't teach kids self-regulation. So one of the things I teach in my corporate job is about, it's a lot of Franklin Covey classes, but they're all about like managing your, you know, professional opinions. One of the things that they say is to do this pause. So you have a stimulus and a pause and a reaction is to like lean into the pause, which is tough because as a comedian, we're trained to immediately respond. That's what makes you a funny comic, but it's very unuseful actually in most of the other interactions in your life. It is way better if you take a second from the stimulus and don't have an immediate reaction and like be thoughtful about what you're choosing to react to and what you just said, Allison, to. I could see where that would be one of those things like, all right, I feel super pinged. I have several options. I can take a second to tap. I can calm yeah. myself down in my hand. I can take a walk, but I don't have to scream. Like, cause I also, the other thing that's irritable yeah. to me is I'm a big, re, a big emotions of the ENFT. If you're not ENFT, I'm an ENFP. Um, if you're a Myers-Briggs person or high eye, if you're a disc style. And so, um, when you have big reactions, you always lose when you're talking to logical people. And that always irritates me because they stay logical. And so I feel like, oh, you've lost control. So now whatever you've said is irrelevant, which makes me like, Wah! 
right? Even worse. So I found that as a tool, if I can tamp down those emotions when they're negative, everyone loves it when you're happy right away or they don't like, like then at least you can have a longer conversation because you haven't lost, like you didn't forfeit your opinion because you lost your temper. Do you know what I mean by that at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. Alice is like, no, I'm cool. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, Jess lives in New York. She knows. People scream over there. <laughs> I'm a big emotion no, person. No, I, 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 I get it. Alice, where do you live? Yeah, right? I, I Nobody think that. Uh, she lives in, it? like, Chicago, but it's not really Chicago. <laughs> she's in the Witness Protection Program. Cool. No, cool. she's in Ohio. But for years, I thought, well, months, I thought she lived in Chicago. <laughs> Ohio really is Chicago yes. East. We have a lot of clients in Ohio. <laughs> yes, I am in Ohio. Um, I had a I had a thought about like the emotions thing because I think that's a, a really valid thing about just when we when our emotions when we get really reactive, it's it's it is really hard to have logical conversations. Um, but there's also there's there's so I think we can still have high emotions. It's just um, like having a greater awareness of what our body's doing and what we're hoping happens. Because I think for me, it was like my body wouldn't feel better until I could like be sure I was totally heard from somebody else or like validated by somebody else. Then my body would be in this like really awful state. Um, and so that's really what was carrying it. I, I think that I, I've learned how to bring my body to more of a state of being like, it's okay. And probably just because it trusts me more that I'm going to get it back to that state. I like to talk about our body trusting us more. Um, but now I can kind of bring my body back into the state of like, it's going to be fine. I, I can accept all of this and I don't have to carry like that tension inside of me. And also I have very strong feelings. I'm going to voice them. I think there can be like a balance there that I don't know that we're always taught to distinguish. And so it takes some practice learning. It's very helpful for me to write emails that I don't ever send. I don't even put the name into the where in case That's I accidentally send them. That is a life I just compose the email and then I leave it there because it helps me to like really to write out what I'm feeling because it challenges like it's it's a challenge to get it, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like at this highly emotional state to like dial down and actually write it out challenges your highly emotional state. And then you have to really understand if it's true and valid, like the if the emotion matches the, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling. If you write it out, it makes it a lot clearer. <laughs> Zero articulation. Expression is useful. Yeah, expression in in any form. Like if you can't find the words, like I will often grab some markers and just start like <laughs> drawing shapes and squiggles and, and colors. <laughs> um, moving your body too. Like sometimes I'll just be like, I have so much inside me, and then I'm just gonna go like kick the air and like do some, like any kind of expression is really useful. See, when I move my, when I'm feeling very emotional and I move my body, it actually heightens my emotions. It makes it worse. It doesn't make it better. Like if I go for a walk or a run or whatever, like I just get, cause my brain just keeps going. I need to actually get it out of my brain. So like if I can't Mm -hmm. put it onto paper, 
it makes me more emotional, like way more emotional. Mm-hmm. This is like, it's an yeah. emotion enhancer, not an emotion tamper downer. <laughs> it's funny, Allison, you said too, like, I feel this way in my body until I'm waiting for someone else to see or hear me. Uh, when I fight with my best friend, I feel so crappy in my body until we've made up. It's like wildly uncomfortable for me. And um, one of my major triggers is being ignored. I hate it. I hate the concept of, and then it's hard because I inevitably am always in relationships with people who are way more logical, like to have time to think about stuff before they react. So I'm like, instead of acknowledging that they're taking time to react, like they're ignoring me, I'm like wind up even harder. It's so tough to think of. I'm going to think about that, about trying to find a way to self-soothe myself out of that instead of, because it's like you're, well, it's allowing your emotions to be controlled by someone else and it's at their whim, right? So if they've now responded in a way that is what I needed to unlock me calming down, then I'm calm. But if they haven't, I'm going to be angry all day long until I get what I want. It's very frustrating. It's it's not, yeah. It's a prison. It's power. Go ahead. It's a prison to to live like that. Like I know, because I've done it like whole life. <laughs> um, so like the, the the this is gonna be like a really like like basic. It's a thing that I that I teach all of my clients, and sometimes it feels like too simple. But our feelings of what's happening inside of us are coming from thoughts, from our thoughts. They're not actually coming from the person outside of us. They're coming yeah. from some perception of what's happening outside of us so and and that's not like it's also not a like don't use that to blame yourself and shame yourself either we can often do that but just the knowledge of i have very deep subconscious programming even if i can't totally see what my thoughts are or what these narratives are that i'm filtering this information through that is the thing causing all this in my body so if i know that that's the thing causing all this in my body and I don't like have to fix it in order to feel better. I can just jump straight to short circuiting my brain and like calm my body itself. Then I can like have a more, uh, I, I have more tools of my prefrontal cortex actually in play that I can actually assess and see what's really going on and not just handing over my power to everything outside of me. Because the more you do that, the more it's like, well, that's just what I do in order to feel better. I, I have to have this person be okay with me. I have to have that person agree with me. It does, it gets worse. It, it compounds on itself. So then we get into a place where like the more you do that, the smaller and smaller you get in your life because you have no power and no control over what's really going on in your own physical existence. In a nutshell. You gotta take back your power. Take back your power. It's not all about you it's all about you (laughs) (laughs) right like it's not like because we're like well like wendy's her reaction is like they're ignoring me it's all about me right but actually it's about you understanding how to really take back your power and not you know it's not about you this is about something it's never about you but understanding that really gives you your own power back yeah Every, I, every, I, I say this all the time. I'm always imagining this circle around me. Like this is my circle. Everybody else has their own circle too. So the things that are happening inside of them and the things that I'm seeing, the words coming out of their mouth is because of stuff happening inside of their circle too. So like that's them over there. This is me 
over here and just being able to kind of see that spatially separating it helps our brain to not just feel like it's all so enmeshed together and that it all has to be fixed does it ever turn into a venn diagram for you because like i live in venn diagrams and i feel like <laughs> if i started to imagine circles i would really like focus like hyper focus on the part where we were overlapping and try and understand that small section <laughs> it it it's you can picture it however you want to in your mind, but focus on what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> so if focusing on that part is making it not work, then I would say that's not really the part to focus I actually like to think of like, um, I actually like to think of like the boundary line between our two lines as they don't ever actually merge because we can't be in another person's mind ever. Like, it's, it's not possible to, and nobody else can ever be in our minds. Nobody else can experience the world the way you're experiencing it. Just like nobody else can experience the world like I'm experiencing it. It's not possible. But we have this, when we think that we can control some, what's happening inside of someone else, then we do this thing where we're just like, we're just going to like let your circle just like smash mine down <laughs> and like cave in on me. And then I'm like, find out I'm actually not able to breathe because I'm just trying to do something that's not really possible but <laughs> but the boundary line between someone else and me i mean that's what's really containing your own energy levels and how you're able to self-regulate and how you're able to have grace and generosity for other people too i mean that's that's there's a lot i mean there's a lot in there it's not just something that we can just tell someone exactly how to do right now but just to see it in your mind I think it's helpful. Absolutely. I think the heart, go ahead. With your business stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. It's helping my business stuff. But the funny part that that, you know, there's lots of places that intersects with business, right? So other people's perceptions of what the value is of your business are completely out of your control. So you know, what you decided is where you're going to live is where you can live. And whether they choose to participate or not in your business or go to any other solution is fine, but it doesn't, it shouldn't influence how you're running your business. Right. So that part, but when you were just talking about the Allison, I immediately go to like my personal relationships because I get really wound up to think like, Oh, someone's like someone being mad at me. I always blame it on being a Southern, a Southern girl, but that's another one. Like, Oh no, they'll be mad at me. And I really struggle cognitively by going and like mm -hmm. your world doesn't end. They, they, and the other part too is other people's emotions are capricious and also out of your control. They could decide to love you, be mad at you. Whatever. I think I just sucks. Look at her stupid shelf behind her head. Just as a shelf makes Wes happy. We don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, or I always joke about like some people don't like Chinese food. They're wrong, but they don't like it. That doesn't mean that Chinese food is bad just because one guy doesn't like beef and broccoli. So I try really hard to, but I think being people pleasing and worrying about what other people think is a good way to keep yourself away from doing the work. So that's one of those things I also struggle with. It's feeling like, oh no, what will people think? It's so dumb. They probably won't well, think about no, it. Well, no, it's not. It's human. It's human yeah. because it goes back to your basic needs of like, I need to be accepted. I need to belong because that's where safety is. You know, it's just, I had it's just the default program. I had this conversation with Stella you know, talking about how like the other kids in school actually don't care at all what you're wearing or what you're doing. And she goes, mom, that's true in life, but that's not true in middle school. And I think she might be right. 
She goes, that applies everywhere else, but not in middle school. Everyone looks at what you're wearing and everyone cares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're making media. <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and your success socially is completely related to their assessment at that moment. And so it's not changeable. In 1987, you wore a really stupid outfit. <laughs> so, guys, I feel like we need to have like a whole like other like next show needs to be like a continuation because there's still a lot more here <laughs> sorry yeah totally yeah totally totally well a lot in all that um I don't know, we we're already some... at the hour Jess. <laughs> i'm just looking at the comments <laughs> Uh, you can, I don't know who the Facebook user is who feels like they're hogging the chat, but it's okay. You can, you can respond as much as you want. It's actually great for our al algorithm on Facebook. Keep writing in that chat. <laughs> respond with all the things and we'll gather all the, the, you know, the continued thoughts and questions and, and we can carry this on. I, there's just a lot in here. And everything we've there's a lot in here and also really wendy's been a great guest because she brings so much to the table <laughs> thank you so much for being here yeah it was if you guys in the comments want to be yeah. on our show let us know we would love to talk through your issues which are the same as all of our issues <laughs> yeah um, we, we need a name is it the pat your butt is that the name of this this show yeah today? pat your own butt it's pat, pat your, your own butt, butt. So don't your own butt. Tap, to your butt. tap your own butt, or that doesn't sound right. That's not well, a tap. That is sort of something people say. <laughs> if you want to up your, hey Jess, here's the question: Do you want random traffic? And just say tap that. <laughs> well, I mean, to... everyone has clutter, right? So if we're tapping into a new audience, <laughs> start with your butt. Start with your butt. This has been a quote-rich uh, podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot of yes, it has. Yes, it has. We need to gather all the quotes. <laughs> I'm gonna make a t-shirt out of that. Tap your own butt anyway. Well, guys. <laughs> Allison, we really appreciate Thank you so much for being here, Wendy. Thank you for having me. It's been great conversation and thank you to all of our audience. We are so appreciative of you joining us too. Very nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> Like when you meet somebody in therapy, it's like you really met them. <laughs> All right. We're going to end the show. Tap your own butt to heal yourself. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.